you've been watching the news this week with over 22 a million with over 22 million Americans that have lost their jobs in the last 4 weeks because of the COVID-19 shutdown as you've listened to the news or maybe read articles there's this the mood in this country is shifting uh, people are getting tired of, of, of sheltering in place. People are ready uh, to get back uh, to normal, to get back to their jobs. And, and there's, there's protests in different states. And, and, and as people are, are tired of sheltering and as they're anxious about their financial viability, most Americans are asking, when are we going to return to work? When are going to we return to some type of normalcy? And basically what they are, they're wanting to return they're wanting a return back to the way things were just some six weeks ago. Well, as we listen to this, as we listen to this longing for a return, as believers, this strong desire to return should cause us to focus upon the return that should always be utmost in our mind and in our heart, in our desire, in our thinking, of course, the return that we're referring to is the return of, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Every time we, we hear this idea of, of wanting to return, it should cause our hearts to, to, to think about the fact of do we long for the return of Christ in that way? Well, the focus of, of, of today's parable where we're looking at addresses the return of the King. Now, we've spent a couple of weeks in, the, in, 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 this, in, this, uh, in, in this parable, and as we looked at last week, we kind of identified the, the players, the main characters of, of, of this parable. And, and we saw that it was three. There's a lot of, a lot of triads in this parable. But we see that, that there, there's, there's three main characters in this parable. There's a sovereign that we read about in, in verse 12 who, who's called a nobleman. He, he's a man of noble birth. He's a man of, of noble status, and, and, and he leaves. He, he, he's, going, he's a vassal king. He's going to a far country in order to, uh, to be exalted as a king. And the, and the authority that he's going to receive is authority that is received as a result of his exaltation. Again, we talked about last week that this, this noble man is Christ. And as we, we give these characteristics, it, it should cause you to think about the fact of, of how this relates to him and how he's speaking of himself. And this nobleman is going to go on a lengthy departure. He's going to a, a far country. Uh, and it, it's, he's going to be gone a, a lengthy amount of time, but he is going to return. He is going to return. His departure and his absence might be lengthy, but that doesn't discount the fact that he's returning. So verse 12 gives us the fact of an individual sovereign. Verse 13, we see the sovereign's servants. Uh, they're under the authority of their king, and, and that authority is to guide them. Uh, we find that they have been summoned. They've been summoned, and so they, they, they're under the authority of the king. They're also entrusted. Each of the, the ten servants that he calls are, are given a minya, and we told you last time that that would be equal to about, about four months' worth of salary, and in, in our money, somewhere around about $12,000. And so each one of the ten is given uh, about $12,000, and, and, and it's not theirs. It's not money that they've earned. It's money that has been entrusted to them. They are not owners of this minya, but they are stewards of this minya. And they've been entrusted to it. And they've been tasked to do something with what the, the master, the nobleman, the, the king has entrusted them to. They've been tasked to engage in business. In other words, they are to make a profit. 
They are to take what has been placed into their hands, uh, these servants' hands, and it is to grow. Uh, It is is to to make a profit. Uh, They are to expand upon what they've been given, what they've been entrusted with. And they're going to be held accountable. The the, the, the king tells them that when he returns, uh, he's going to see what they have done. Uh, what they have done with what he has placed into their hands. And basically we talked about last time that he's talking to them about how they are to live in the interim between the king's departure and the king's return. And we talked about how that's how, that's how we are to live. We, those of us who are believers in Christ, we are these sovereign servants. Uh, we are to, this tells us how we're to live in the interim. We've been entrusted. Uh, we've been given our lives. Our lives are not even our own. And we've been given a life. God has entrusted us with a life. Uh, we, we've been given gifts and talents, and God expects us to experience growth in our lives. Uh, he expects us to, to, to grow in our character, to grow in our Christ-likeness. And so that has been entrusted to us. It, our, even our lives are not our own, and, and we're going to be held accountable for that. We've been tasked to engage in business, tasked to do those things that will enable growth uh, to be part of our lives, so that when we when we come when when the Lord returns, we can show Him that our life has gained uh, that our life has profit. Our life has been profitable. Our life hasn't been wasted, but our life has been profitable. And then finally, the sovereign subjects. The sovereign subjects uh, is found there in verse fourteen, and they live in the king's domain. Uh, they live in, in where the king has authority, but they hate him. But they hate him. And they refuse to submit to his authority. And as we said, the idea here is speaking to the fact of, uh, of those who, who refuse to follow Christ, those who don't know Christ, and, and they're not going to submit to, to his authority. As you recall, also last time we told you that the plot of this parable it, it occurs in three acts. And, and these three acts are determined by the location of the king. Last time we looked at Act, Act 1, which was in verse 12, which is the departure and the reception of a kingdom. And we've already kind of spoken into that. Act 2 was life in the interim, where you had a command and a contempt, where, where we're introduced uh, to the sovereign's servants and we're, we're introduced to the sovereign's subjects. And, 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 and we looked at that well, act as well in verses 13 and 14. The final act uh, that we, we haven't looked at yet, the final act begins in verse 15. And the final act, as we told you last time, is the bulk of the parable. This is where the bulk of the parable lies. And it recounts the story of the king's return. It recounts the story of the king's return. We, we don't know how long the king has been gone, but he's been gone a lengthy time, but, but he has finally returned. And, and, act, and act three could be titled this way, The King's Return, Holding Servants and Subjects Accountable. And, and there's three, there, there are three uh, uh, scenes uh, or, uh, in, in this act. And, and, and the, this third act has three scenes. And verses 15 through 19 are the rewarded servants. Verses 20 through 26 are the rebuked, is the rebuked servants. So you have the rewarded servants, plural, the rebuked servant singular, and then you have the ruled subjects in verse 27. So let, let's begin there this morning. We're going to start with the, the rewarded servants there in verses 15 through 19. Look at verse 15 again. He says, when he returned, that's talking about the king there, having received the kingdom. He's received the kingdom and now he's coming back to exercise authority over it. He ordered these servants to whom he had given, uh, given the money to be called to him and that he might know what they had gained by doing business. 
So here, the man of noble birth and character has been exalted. He's received his kingdom in the far country. And now he is returning back to where he left with authority. He comes back with authority. And again, as we liken this to Christ, he comes back when Christ returns. He comes back with authority to fully administer his kingdom. And he begins by calling his servants to account. He begins by calling his servants to account. And he wants to know how much profit has occurred with what he has entrusted them. Did you take what I have given you and did you make profit? Did you have gain? And the faithfulness to the task to which they were commanded is being examined. He commands them to engage in business. To engage in business. And and now he's going to hold them accountable as to whether or not they've done that. And the parable begins by him talking about two servants. Two servants. One's found in verse 16 and one's found in verse 18. In verse 16 we read this, The first came before him saying, Lord, your minya has made ten minyas more. Short, sweet, and to the point. He comes and gives an account. He brings with him the equivalent of about $120,000. And he says, your $12,000, I'm giving you back $120,000. In other words, this servant brings an encouraging report. He has made a 1,000% profit. That's pretty good. That's a pretty... I think all of us would be happy with an investment return of a 1,000%. But he comes back with a 1,000% profit. In other words... He's been faithful with the opportunities and responsibilities that have been given to him. He's been given a minya. And and he's been faithful in in engaging in business and and, 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 and in doing so with the opportunities and responsibilities that have been given to him. And again, as we liken this to, again, the servants, as we talk about, are are believers. And, and, And God has entrusted us with our lives. He's, he, he, it's not ours to own, but God has given us the opportunity to live and to live out our faith and to become more like Christ. And, and, he, and he calls them and says, and th- th- this servant has been faithful with the opportunities that have been given to him. He's been faithful with the responsibilities that have been given to him. Likewise, the second servant in verse 18, again, his, his response to the king is short and sweet and to the point. And the second came saying, Lord, your minya has made five minyas. Again, short, sweet, and to the point. In verse 18, the second servant to be examined also brings an encourager report. He's had a 500% profit. Not as much as the first one, but still a 500% profit. And the point is this, is, is that while his level of achievement is less, we're going to find later that when his reward is stated, his, his, his reward is going to be stated with more brevity, But the important point is this. His faithfulness is honored. He's taken what has been given to him and he's made a profit. He's made a profit. what, What was given to him as an investment by what the king owed, owned, has not been wasted. It hasn't been wasted. It's made a substantial profit. And that substantial profit is evidenced of their proven faithfulness over the course of time 
during the time that the king has been away. So that's the two servants. Well, let's look at the king's response to these rewarded servants. And that's found in verse 17 and verse 19. He speaks to the first one and he says, And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And he speaks to the second one there in, in uh, uh, verse 19. He says, And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Again, it's, it, it's, it's, more, it's briefer, but faithfulness is still being honored. The king rewards the servants to have been faithful to his command of engaging in business. They have taken what is not theirs to own, but they have taken what they have been entrusted with. The stewardship of their life, the stewardship of what has been entrusted into their hands by the king, they have taken it and their life has counted for something. Their life has been in pleasure to the king. They have, they, have, they have walked in obedience to the king, and because of their obedience to the king and engaging in business, they have brought back a substantial profit as to what they were given to invest with from the very beginning. And the king rewards them. And the reward has three aspects. It's, it's more developed there with the first servant. First, there's verbal praise. Well done. Well done. Good job. Good job. I mean, think about the times in your life maybe when you, where you've worked really hard on something. Maybe your parents gave you a task to do or maybe you were given an assignment in school or an assignment in college and, uh, or maybe an assignment on your job and, and you completed the assignment and you, you successfully completed it. And, and even more important than the, gra- uh, than the grade, even more important than, than uh, maybe the, uh, the money that you earned, maybe your parents asked you to do something and you were getting paid a certain amount of money, even more important than, than, than uh, the money that you earned in doing the project at work, the fact that, that you were recognized by your supervisor, or by your parent, or by that person in authority, whoever it was, that said to you, good job. Good job. I don't know about you, but for me, that's worth far more than, than any amount of money or, or any amount of uh, or whatever grade uh, I was given. The fact that you did a good job. That verbal praise. That verbal praise. We, we all long to hear that. Even kids when they're little like to hear that. Good job. Good job. You did, you did well. You did well. So there's this verbal praise that, that's given. And not just verbal praise, but appreciation. There is an, an, an acknowledgement of the servant's effort. He says, because you have been faithful in a very little. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. You, he, the, he, the king acknowledges the fact that there was effort on the part of that servant. Uh, again, they, they've been faithful in, in, the, in, in what he should entrust it with. What, what, what he, again, twelve thousand dollars. While it's it's not, uh, uh, while it's a substantial amount of money. I mean, I, I mean, if, 12, if somebody wants to hand me twelve thousand dollar check, I mean, I, I get excited about that. I can do a lot with twelve thousand. But it's not. You can't live off of twelve thousand dollars for the rest of your life. I mean, it might last you a couple months, maybe, maybe not even that long. Maybe not even that long. But still, the fact that they acknowledge you've been faithful. You have been faithful. To be faithful takes effort. 
be faithful means to persevere. To be faithful means that when you, when you fail, you, you get up and you, you keep going forward. Maybe when you get knocked down and get knocked back and maybe you're on the ground for a little bit and others come along beside you and help you and pick you up, you, you get back up and you, you continue to take steps forward. You, continue, you don't quit. You don't quit. You persevere. You keep going on. And he, there's that appreciation. It's nice to be appreciated, isn't it? It's nice when you, when, you, when you go the extra mile or you, you do a lot of extra work and, and, and somebody just says, you know, listen, I just want to thank you. You know, you, you know you've, probably had, you've probably had people say to you, you know, you probably don't hear this very much, but, but I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I know I told you here a couple of weeks ago about me going to the senior time at Walmart uh, to get stuff, and that was the one and only time. In fact, I went twice. That was my first and last uh, that, that I went to do that. But seeing some of them grouchy old people going in there, I made it a point that every time I saw a guy was going by somebody that was stocking those shelves and doing things, to take the time to let them know, listen, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing. And, and invariably, every time I did that, there was a smile. There was, it, it was, it was, they were grateful to hear it. Just a word of appreciation. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, I know what you're doing is difficult. I know what you're doing is... But listen, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And that's what the matter... Think about it. The King of kings and Lord of lords lets us know that He appreciates what we've done. He appreciates what we've done. Then the third thing is promotion, is promotion. He says, because you've been faithful over very little, he brings them back ten menus. He says, you shall have authority over ten cities. Now think about that. This guy's a, this guy's a servant. Really, the word is a slave. This guy's a slave. And this guy's a And all that the king gives him a menu. Not a lot. Not a lot of money. He gives him a minya, and he says, engage in business. And he goes out, and he's faithful, and he, 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 he keeps going, he perseveres, and he brings back to his king $120,000. Again, that's not, a, that's not a, an amount of money to, to, to turn your nose up at. But again, you're not going to live off $120,000 the rest of your life. It's still pretty good. I mean, I mean, if I have a choice between taking a check for $12,000 and $120,000, I know which one I'm going to take. But still, he says, because you've done that, I'm going to give you authority. Authority over ten cities. Ten cities. And the one who gained five men, you can look at the text, he said to him, and you're to be over five cities. You're to be over five cities. What's the point that Jesus is making in this parable? The point is simply this, that faithfulness in the interim, faithfulness in the interim, from the time of the king's departure to the time of the king's return, that's the interim. And what we are called to do as servants of Christ is to be faithful, to engage in business, to grow, 
to follow the Lord, to obey the commands of the king and experience growth in our lives so that when the king comes back, he's gotten a a return on his investment. Our lives have been profitable. Our lives have been profitable. And when we return that back to him, he lavishes upon us greater responsibility, greater authority, and honor in the kingdom. And honor in the kingdom. Faithfulness in the interim results in greater responsibility, greater authority. These men rose from slaves to over ten cities. Over five cities. Rulers. Rulers over cities. From a slave to ruling under the authority of the king over ten cities. Faithfulness in the interim results in greater responsibility, authority, and honor in the kingdom. Well, verse 20 now says, Then another came. We have another servant, and we'll, we'll talk about that. The king now examines the third servant. But his account of his stewardship is lengthy. Again, remember, these guys are short and sweet. Your menu has gained ten menus. Your menu has gained five menus. This guy goes into a lengthy, complex story. I mean, that's, and, 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 and isn't that what kind of happens when, when we're, we know maybe we've done something that we shouldn't have? And we begin this big old long story. We tell this long, long story. You know, we're, we're trying to remember everything so, so we don't contradict ourselves somewhere. But we have this lengthy and complex story as to why we didn't get done what we were supposed to get done. And that's what verses 20 through 26 is about. More space is given to this servant than the previous two. So we're going to skip. We're going to skip him today. And we're going to come back next Sunday. As we told you, we've got one more Sunday in this. We're going to come back next Sunday, and our focus is going to be on verses 20 through 26 as we look at the rebuked servant. So we're going to skip him today. We're going to jump over him and look at how Jesus closes out when he deals with the third group. And the third group, as Jesus closes out this final parable, prior to entering in Jerusalem, he shares us the interaction between the king and the ruled subjects. Look at verse 27. Look at verse 27. But as for these enemies of mine, so he's, 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 now, he's ceasing to talk now about his servants. He's talking about these enemies who are referred to back in verse 14 where it says, But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. That's the identification of the enemies. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Slaughter them before me. The king now addresses the delegation and the subjects they represented. They live in the king's domain. They hate him. They reject him. And they refuse to submit to his authority. The king has now received his kingdom. He's received his kingdom. But still, he is hated by his subjects who refuse to submit to his rule in their life. So... The king calls them to his presence and has them slaughtered. Has them slaughtered. Since they have refused to submit to his authority, severe and certain judgment awaits them. And the word 
that Jesus uses is very, very graphic. He says, bring them here and slaughter them. Slaughter them. When it's used of animals, it is a very graphic description of an animal's death. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law and grandkids in Colorado, in the ranch that they live on, they recently, they just went back. and About a few weeks ago, they got some chickens. And now they've gotten some more chickens. And my granddaughter, Audrey, is the chicken whisperer. I'm not kidding you. She'll take those things. She treats them like they're her babies. And she'll take them, and she starts, and they fall asleep. <laughs> they, they literally fall asleep as she's holding them. There's pictures where she's got, she's got them you know, up against her, 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 her bosom and, and, and holding them. And that, that, those little chicks, they, they've got, their, they, their eyes are closed. They, they fall asleep as she, she holds them and mothers those baby chicks. But casting them, they, and the chickens are for the eggs. They, they're not, they're not going to eat the chickens. The chickens are all for eggs, so they've gotten to name them, name the different chickens. All the kids have got a certain amount of chickens, and when they get big enough to start laying eggs, they're responsible to get those eggs from those, their, their chickens. But they also have gotten, uh, got an order, two, two, two pigs, two hogs that they're getting. And Cassie's explained to them these are not pets, and you know they're not we're not naming them, and eventually we're going to eat them and stuff. And uh, so Cassie's talking to Audrey, and she says, "Audrey, what do you call a pig when it's grown up?" And you know, some, you know, call them hogs. Or, what do you call a pig when it's grown up? And Audrey answers this way: "You call them slaughtered." <laughs> That's, that's, that's what you call a pig when it, when it grows up. It's slaughtered. It's bacon and ham and uh, pork chops and, and uh, pork roast. That's what you call a pig when it's grown up. It's slaughtered. Uh, so that, that's the idea here. Uh, what Jesus is talking about when he, says, when he says that bring them here and slaughter them. When it's used of an animal, it's, it's a very graphic description of their death. However... When it's used of a human, it infers a violence that is merciless. A violence that is merciless. No, the the point is, when Jesus says, no mercy. No mercy. There is no mercy for those who refuse to submit the authority of Jesus Christ and hate them. When the king returns... There's no mercy. There is no mercy. These citizens, these subjects, not only lost greater opportunities in the kingdom, they do not even get to enter into it. They do not even get to enter into the kingdom because no mercy is shown to them because of their hatred and their refusal to submit to the authority of the king. Every person on this earth right now, the seven plus billions of people that live on this earth and that have lived on this earth since Adam and Eve, or that, I'm sorry, that have lived on this earth since the time of Christ's resurrection and, 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 and in, in, in the interim here between Christ's resurrection and His return. We live in the interim. We live in the interim between the king's departure and return. And that interim is a day of opportunity. We are living in the day of opportunity. 
You are living in the day of opportunity. Everyone in this world right now is living in the day of opportunity. It's an opportunity from, from where we've looked at today of one of two things. It's an opportunity to cease being a subject and to become a citizen. I'm sorry, to cease being a subject and to become a servant. Cease being a subject and becoming a servant. And what we mean by that is simply this, is that you have an opportunity to turn to Christ. To turn to Christ. You see, the subjects hated him. The subjects, we do not want this man reigning over us. And they've decided they're going to be their own king. They're going to be their own God. And this man isn't going to reign over them. But regardless of what they want, he will and he does. Because when he exercises his authority as king, he calls them before him. And without mercy, without mercy, he judges them. They spend eternity in a lake of fire. No mercy. No mercy. Now's the time of mercy. Now's the time of opportunity. Now's the time when you can turn to Christ. The songs that Jubal picked out this morning are explain the gospel. The fact that, that we're robed in Him. That Jesus Christ came to this earth. Bo- I had a noble birth. He was born of a virgin. A noble stature. He's the Son of God. He's the God-man. And He lived a life that you and I could never live. He always pleased the Father. Always pleased the Father. A life without sin in any aspect. No sin nature like you and I have. And He offered up His perfect righteousness, His obedience to the Father as a sacrifice for my unrighteousness, as a sacrifice for my sins. And He took on Himself the wrath of God on the cross of Calvary. And He suffered and He bled and He died. And He went into the grave and as we celebrated last Sunday, and as we celebrate today, He came out of that grave proving that His His sacrifice was accepted by the Father. And those who put their faith and trust in Christ, those who will submit to Him and and acknowledge their sin and acknowledge the fact that they they are not acceptable to God and there's nothing that they can do and acknowledge the fact that that they don't want to to be their own God. They, they They want God to be their God. And ask Christ to forgive them of their sins and to save them. And when we ask Christ to do that, and in forgiveness and repentance. We ask for forgiveness in coming to Him in repentance. And when we do that, Christ robes us in His righteousness. The great exchange is made. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. And, 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 and I'm robed in His righteousness. And I'm acceptable to God. And I love Him. And I want to serve Him. And I've moved from being a subject a servant. And I experience the mercy of God. His mercies are new every morning. But if you don't know Christ, you're experiencing mercy now. It rains on the just and the unjust. God provides you food. God gives you air to breathe. 
God is merciful to you in His common grace. He's merciful to all. He's gracious to all. But if you die without knowing Christ, there's no more mercy. There is no more mercy. Your mercy's expired. It's done. And I plead with you this morning, if you don't know Christ, to turn to Him, to acknowledge your sin, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to ask Him to to be the Savior and Lord of your life, and put your faith and trust in Him. To put your faith and trust in Him and in who He is, and that He has taken your sin, your shame, and your guilt, and that if you put your trust in Him, accept His gift of eternal life, you can have it. You can have it. And if you need help, contact us. We'd be happy to talk with you and speak to you about your, your soul. But today's the day of opportunity. It's an opportunity to cease being a subject. But it's also an opportunity to engage in business as a servant with this opportunity that's called life. Life. I've been given life. You've been given life. For those of you, I'm speaking to those of you that know Christ. We've got different abilities, different talents. Uh, we, we have different accomplishments, um, different strengths. But God has given us all a life. And it's interesting that He gives them all the same thing, where the parable of the talents, they're given, one's given, remember, one's, one's given five, one's given two, one's given one. But here they all receive the same thing. And I think it's a reference just to life in general. We've all been given life. But what are we doing with our life? What are we doing with our life? Are we doing things with our life that, that, that cause us to grow spiritually? That cause us to, to make an impact for the Lord? What are we doing with our life? That's what this parable is about. What are you doing with your life? Are you engaging in business? Are you doing the things that we're called to do in order to experience growth in Jesus Christ? Is your life being wasted? Or is your life being invested? You're engaging in business. You're investing. Which is it? It's one of the two. It's one of the two. We're either investing our life, we're engaging in business, or we're wasting our life. And we can do, there's times in this week where I've wasted my life. There's times this week where I've invested my life. And, and hopefully, hopefully over the course, there's more investment than there is wasting. But the text tells us this, is that those who faithfully, again, that doesn't mean we do it all the time, again, faithful in a little. I'm so glad that phrase is Faithful in a little. Those who faithfully engage in business are guaranteed a demonstrable growth in this life. Listen, you deal with any financial advisor, and they'll tell you what the potential growth is, but they'll not guarantee it. (laughs) 
They will not guarantee it. If you say, listen, you sign right here on the dotted line that I'm going to get a 12% return on investment on this, they won't do it. And if they do, you better run as fast as you can. No financial advisor can guarantee you a certain amount of return on investment. They can't. They can't because they don't know. But, but I can guarantee you a return on investment. This text tells me these guys, the the two servants that engaged in business, one made a 500% profit and one made a 1,000% profit. Their profits were different. But guess what? They both demonstrated a demonstrable growth. They started with one and one came back with ten and the other came back with five. Your one has made ten. Your one has made five. They came back. They came back with this demonstrable growth. And I I can guarantee you based upon the trustworthiness of God and the surety of His Word that if you will seek to faithfully follow God, it doesn't mean your life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be problems. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be setbacks. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be times when your faith, you doubt, that there's not going to be times when your faith is weak. I'm not saying, but I, I do guarantee you this, that if you will set your course of life to seek to live faithfully for God, when it comes to the end of your life, when it comes to the time when you will stand before the king, there will be demonstrable growth. Or the word of God isn't true. The word of God isn't true. Also, the effort and toil. And here's the second thing. The effort and toil of engaging in business. In fact, I thought this last point was so... I, I put it, A lot of times when I was, I was making the slides, I, I kind of abbreviate them. And, and, and so the slides are not so wordy. But this one I wanted to be wordy. I want you to get this. Is that the effort and toil of engaging in business in the interim will be rewarded lavishly lavishly by the king upon his return with verbal praise, appreciation, and promotion. Some unnamed servant who was given one minion ends up ruling ten cities. A slave. Dulos. One unnamed slave given one minion And over the course of the time while the king is away, it results in five minions. This unnamed slave becomes the ruler of five cities. Of five cities. We're unnamed slaves. What awaits us? As we... Put forth the effort and the toil of engaging in business as we, as we not become weary in well-doing because in due season we'll reap if we don't lose heart. If we'll gain strength from our Father, gain strength from the Spirit, gain strength from our place in Christ, gain strength from the assembly, the, the, the corporate body. It's, that's, why, that's why this kind of church will never work over the long run. 
Because we need to see one another. We need to be together. We need to encourage one another and, and see each other's faces and feel each other's pain and, 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 and rejoice in each other's uh, victories and, 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 and things that God has blessed us with. And we need that because walking and living the Christian life is beyond our ability to do it on our own. We don't have the strength. We don't have the wherewithal. We're constantly being reminded of where we fail and where we fall. And no matter how far we think we've gone, there is so much further we have to go. And we need one another. But when you do, and when you decide to engage in business, to fight the good fight, I promise you, I guarantee you, your life is going to have profit. Your life is going to be profitable for others. Your life will not be wasted. And when you stand before the one who created you, and when you stand before the one to whom all praise and all glory and all worship is due, that one who created you is going to say to you, good job. Good job. He's going to acknowledge. He's going to appreciate. He's going to appreciate the strength, what you have done with the strength and abilities that is sourced in Him. He's going to say, you've been faithful. You've been faithful. And you will be given the authority to rule and reign with Him in His kingdom. That's a pretty good return on investment of living a life of faithfulness. Don't be weary in well-doing. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know there's times you cry out, How long, O Lord? I know there's times when you say, Lord, I can't go another step. Lord, I am tired. I'm tired. I'm hurting. It doesn't seem worth it. Lord, help me. Help me to trust in your faithfulness. Not to trust in my faith. Not to trust in in my abilities. But help me, Father, to cling to the fact that you are trustworthy. You're trustworthy. That's our hope. That's what gets us through. So don't be weary in well-doing. Engage. Engage in business until He comes. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy and Your grace that is so richly bestowed upon us in the interim and will be even greatly lavished upon us when upon your return as, as we present to you lives that haven't been perfect, but hopefully lives that have been faithful, lives that have shown growth, life that has shown progress, 
in our Christian walk in life with you. Lives that have been profitable for others, that have benefited others. And even though it's been a little, Father, you will lavish us with great rewards, not because we deserve it, but because you demonstrate your gracious and glorious generosity. You reveal your heart. You reveal the kind of person you are. That There is no one like you. No one. So encourage those today, Father, whose hands may be limp, whose knees are weak, who are growing weary. Encourage them today to be faithful to you. Lord, those who are being faithful to you, give them the strength. Help them not to to become proud. Help them, Father, not to begin looking at their own lives and thinking that they've accomplished something. Help them, Father, not to become pharisaical in their attitude, but to recognize that it's all of you. It's you. And Lord, when you have to take us to the place where you have to humble us to help us to remember that it's not our might, it's not our strength, but it's your Spirit. Father, we thank you for your your firm but loving discipline that draws us back to you. Father, I pray for that one, those several who may not know Christ. Their confidence is not in Jesus and Jesus alone. They haven't come to the place where they recognize that their sins have separated you from them. Father, that they are an enemy to you and that your displeasure abides upon them, your wrath abides upon them. Father, it's your grace at this moment that keeps them out of hell. Help them, Father, to see their sin and to see how they've sought to live as their own God and show them their need today, Lord, and cause them to turn to you. Cause them, Father, to see that they have offended you greatly by their sin. That they've taken their fist and shook it in your face. And Lord, I pray that you'd help them to see their need and in repentance and faith turn to you today. And experience the gift of eternal life, to experience your love. Lord, we just thank you for this time and we thank you for this word. And Lord, we pray that you'd bring it to our hearts and minds. And Lord, we've spent a lot of time in this passage. And Lord, I pray that it's something even next week as it seems to be our last week in it. Lord, that it will we'll be drawn back to it. It'll be a passage that we go to often to be reminded that while life in the interim is difficult, Lord, it's either an investment or it's a waste of opportunities. Lord, encourage us today. Thank you for who you are, for all that's in Christ. For we pray these things in Christ. Thank you, the Spirit. Thank you for joining us today. 
again, we miss you dearly and look forward to the time when we can get back together. Again, we'll be sending you out um, uh, the Zoom uh, invitation for our Wednesday night. Uh, we are looking at uh, the canon, how we know that the 27 books that we have are indeed uh, the, the New Testament, that they are indeed the very Word of God, the inerrant, infallible Word of God. We'll be finishing that up on Wednesday night. And again, those of you that for our Bible study class, again, we, we apologize for any of the difficulties you may have had. Some of you tried and didn't, weren't able to join us today, and, and uh, we will get that taken care of, and, and uh, we, we apologize for that. But uh, again, it's so good to see you and uh, to join, at least to jo- join you. I'm so used to saying that. It's so good to join you today. We appreciate all those that have worked hard to make this possible. Again, once again, for, for Donnie and Larry, and appreciate Carl taking the time to record his Bible study and, and our, our security that continues to rotate. George is with us today, and we, we're grateful for that. And, of course, Jubal, and again, he wasn't feeling well at all, and, and we appreciate him coming and, and doing that. You be in prayer for him. Um, and then appreciate Robert coming up and, and taking care of the, the business aspect of the stuff that still has to be taken care of during this time. But we love you, and we appreciate you, and we pr- hope and pray that you have a great week. Our benediction, if you'll excuse me, our, our benediction is going to come from Psalm 46 today. Uh, in case you, I've been reading the Psalms, in case you haven't been able haven't been able to tell. But we're going to read verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to drop down uh, to verse 11. And this is our benediction, and it goes well with what we had to say today. God is our strong refuge. He is truly our helper in times of trouble. For this reason, we do not fear when the earth shakes and the mountains tumble into the depths of the sea, when its waves crash and foam and the mountains shake before the surging sea. Selah. The Lord who commands armies, or the Lord of hosts, is on our side. The God of Jacob is our protector. Selah. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We love you. And uh, look forward to meeting with you again either Wednesday or this next Sunday. Have a great week. Thank you. God bless you.